You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Well, we're starting a brand new series this morning, and it's called Ghost Stories. So, what this isn't about is Halloween or anything spooky like that. What it is about is the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a topic that I think, for me at least, right, so I don't want to paint some broad picture here, but for me, growing up, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and the Spirit just wasn't talked about much, but the Spirit was talked about. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but... I knew the concept of the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One and all different, right? I'm not saying I understood the concept. I knew the concept, right? It was taught. Um, and, man, I entered into ministry. I went to seminary, and I realized something. I realized, man, I don't really understand the Holy Spirit very much, I know that the, the Spirit is supposed to be doing something, but I have no clue what the Spirit is doing. And I had some questions. What was, what was it? What is it? Who is it? What's it doing? What's it look like? Can I see Him? Like, there's a lot of questions. How many of you have ever had questions about the Holy Spirit? Let's just be, let's be honest. Okay, great. So I started studying a little bit. Now, there's something you need to know about me. When I say I started studying a little bit, I'm being honest. It's a little bit. I started studying a little bit. And then I had to write a dissertation at seminary to graduate, and I could choose whatever topic I wanted to choose, and I decided I thought it would be smart to choose the Holy Spirit, something I knew really nothing about. Because then it would force me to study and to read and to really understand who this spirit was, what it was, like there was still all these questions, and there was one question that stuck out in all my studies, and this is that question. Do you feel you are adequately experiencing the presence and power of the Holy Spirit? Do you feel that you are adequately experiencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? And I thought, wow, like, what a profound question that is for me to read. Like, am I experiencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit the way that God intends for me to experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? And my answer was, man, I sure hope so, right? Man, I hope I am. I hope I'm experiencing the Holy Spirit the right way. And some of you, maybe you're sitting there thinking, I really don't know what you're talking about. Like I've heard of the Holy Spirit, but um, the between Sunday to Sunday, there's not a whole lot of emphasis placed on the Holy Spirit in my house. Like we don't talk about the Holy Spirit at dinner. It's just not a conversation that usually comes up. We talk about God sometimes. We talk about Jesus sometimes. We, we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. And this is what I found is that it seems that the, the sin of the Old Testament was the rejection of God the Father. 
the sin of the, the New Testament period was rejection of God the Son. But I really believe that the sin of our generation is rejection of God the Spirit. Because we just don't understand. We don't know any details about the Spirit. And maybe some of you, maybe you grew up really conservative. Maybe you grew up in a, in a really uh, Baptist-y, right? I'm just going to use that word. I don't know if that's a word, but a Baptist-y church. And you're thinking, man, he's about to get all charismatic and I'm tuning out. What I don't want you to do is be narrow-minded and think that Scripture says anything that it's not supposed to say about the Spirit because that's what we're going to pull this information from. The Spirit is, is real, and that's the first thing we have to admit in this place is, hey, the Holy Spirit is real. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Holy Spirit's real. That's the first step. Congratulations. We're going to continue to take steps. And my goal in this series is that we understand who the Spirit is, we understand what the Spirit does, and then we understand how we can really live life and submit to the Holy Spirit and how that looks practically in our life. Now, while we as Christians, right, we seem to give little thought to the Holy Spirit, there's always a deep yearning for something more. If you think about your life spiritually, you could probably think about, man, I just want more. There's got to be more. I want to go deeper. There's got to be something. And I want you to know that that something is the Spirit. So although we don't think about the Spirit, we long for Him as Christians. Because we just know that there's got to be something more. There's got to be something deeper. See, I believe we're seeking the reality of the Spirit in our lives. And when we experience that reality, then something changes. And when that something changes, then we begin to live life in a completely different way. Because the Spirit begins to move and to work in us. See, I believe that every Christian, if you're a Christ follower, if you've given your life to Jesus, then the Spirit is inside of you. I believe that. The Spirit is inside of you. But not every Christ follower experiences the reality of the Spirit. And I want you to know that it has nothing to do with the Spirit. It has everything to do with us. That the Spirit is inside of you, but we all experience that differently, and it's not because He's in us any differently. It's because we don't submit to the Spirit the same way. So we're not experiencing the reality of the Spirit. So what does God say? What does, what does the Word of God say about this? And there's a lot of verses. There's going to be a lot of Scripture today. What I've tried to do is I've tried to compress this in a way that makes sense for us. I don't want to overwhelm your brain because as I was studying this, my brain gets overwhelmed and I just, I'm a really simple guy and I want to keep it as simple as possible. But at the same time, I want to give it the due diligence that it deserves. And it deserves us to really examine scripture when it comes to the Holy Spirit.
So who is the Holy Spirit? Number one is this. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, I don't want to get into the Trinity doctrine or anything like that because that is is confusing and it's going to take a it would take a lot but i want you to understand that god the father god the son god the holy spirit they're three distinct but all the same okay just just agree that that's how it is right and trust me on that um you don't really have to do that you could go study yourself but it is true but the Holy Spirit is, we see all through Scripture that He is interchangeable with God. That sometimes it talks about God, sometimes it talks about God the Spirit, sometimes it talks about God the Son. They're interchangeable because they're all the same and they're distinct. So He is God, He's interchangeable with God. He also possesses attributes of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this, These things God has revealed to us through the... Say it out loud. Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So here's the deal. The Spirit is God. The Spirit has the same attributes as God. And we see that He, he is just all-knowing. We see that He's all-powerful. We see that the Spirit is the one that regenerates us, which means He's the one that brings us really from death to life. And we see that in John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking. For if I do not go away, the Helper, which is the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Spirit's the one that convicts. The Spirit's the one that regenerates. The Spirit is all-knowing, all-powerful, the same exact attributes as God. The Spirit is also eternal. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God. The Spirit is eternal, which means when the Spirit is inside of you as a believer, that you are sealed eternally with the Spirit of God. So the Spirit is interchangeable with God. The Spirit possesses attributes of God. Also, the Spirit does the work of God. We see in creation, Genesis 1. Verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This is, this is what we have to understand about the Holy Spirit, that He is God. So all this amazingness that we think about God, and we do, we think God is, is all that, right? Because He is. He's all that. And whatever else you can even fathom, He is all that. So is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. We see that He was involved in the resurrection. We see that the power of the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. We see that He helped write Scripture. That the men that wrote Scripture were inspired by the Spirit of God. 
So the Spirit does the same work. Number two is this. Not only is the Holy Spirit God, but the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. This is where it can get a little confusing, and I'm going to try to be very clear about this. But when, I'm, when I say that the Holy Spirit is a person, I mean that the Holy Spirit is, is emotionally in touch with people. Is that He's a helper. Jesus says, I'm going to send a helper to you. He's personal. He Not only is He a comforter, but He brings glory to the Father just like we bring glory to the Father. He brings glory to the Son just like we bring glory to the to the Son. We see in the book of Acts, all throughout the book of Acts, that He works with people and in people. He's a people person. He's a people spirit. He has intelligence and knowledge. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He's a smart dude. He has a will and he has emotions. We see all of this in Scripture. And my, my promise to you guys is that I'm going to post all of this to, to social media with all these references that we're not going over today because I want you guys to go and read Scripture and see how these verses really talk about who the Holy Spirit is. And I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to take God's word for it. So there's a lot of references that we're not hitting today, but I'm going to get you those, and I want you to do that. The Holy Spirit is a person. Number three is this. The Holy Spirit is active. He's working. He's moving. He does a lot of stuff. I'm just going to give you a few that He does, but the work of the Spirit includes convicting, regenerating, baptizing, empowering, and indwelling. He also illuminates. He teaches. He intercedes. He sanctifies. He fills, He leads, and He confirms. This is, this is just a, a snippet of what the Spirit does. The Spirit is active. The Spirit is working. And throughout this series, what we're going to see next week is we're going to see some specific things that the Spirit does in the life of the believer. And then we're going to close this series out in two weeks, and we're going to see how the Spirit empowers us to go and actually live a life that's worth living for Jesus. And it's the Spirit that does all of this. See, Jesus was here, and then he left. And he said, hey, but don't be, don't be concerned, don't be sad, don't be troubled, because I'm sending a helper to you, and the helper is me. The helper is the Spirit of God. Man, what an amazing thing for us as believers. To be able to say, hey, the Spirit of God lives within me. But I'm afraid that we say that a lot of times and we don't really know what it means. We say that, but we're not really experiencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit the way that God intends for us to experience. And in my, my heart, my prayer for us as a church is that we would begin to experience the reality, the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. 
And it's not for our benefit. It's so that the world will see God in us. Because the will of God is that no one should perish, but everyone should come to eternal life in him. Man, and he uses us as vessels to go out and to show the world the love that he has for them. And then the Spirit gives us the power. So here's the question. Are you, are you adequately experiencing the presence and the power of the Spirit in your life? And maybe you're like me and you think, man, I hope so. I hope so. Man, you don't have to hope. You don't have to hope so. You can experience that. And I want to I give you four quick ways that we can really shape our spiritual life when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Just four factors that shape our spiritual life. Number one is this, our understanding of conversion. Now, when I say conversion, I mean being a sinner brought to life through the blood of of Jesus. Our conversion from not having a relationship with God to having a relationship with God. The first factor that shapes our spiritual life is understanding that conversion. And Philippians 3.12 says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying that, man, God has already made me his. I'm his child. I've received salvation. The Spirit is within me. And then Paul says, yes, so God has taken hold of me, but now I have to take hold of him. And that's what I think we miss a lot of times as, as Christ followers, is we're satisfied with God taking hold of us. And Paul says, oh man, that's not where it stops. We got to take hold of him. How many of us are actually taking hold of the Spirit? How many of us are actually continuing day to day to day being crucified with Christ? How many of us are truly grabbing hold of him? Man, I think, this is just me personally, I think that if we could just be saved from something, that's, that's good enough for us, man. We, we're so lost. We're so out there. We're so sinful. And then this amazing, loving, powerful God says, hey, I want you. And through his spirit, he regenerates us. He sanctifies us. He, he pulls us out of the world. And he says, you're now a part of the family. And we say, Thank you, Jesus. And that's a good response. But then we stop. And we think, man, the work is done. And for salvation, I want to be very clear, the work is done. He's already done the work. You are now a Christ follower. You are now a believer. But Paul would say, man, there's more to live out your life as a Christ follower. And it's actually taken hold of God. He's already got you. You need to take hold of Him. But man, we want to just keep our hand on the world. And we just want to, man, we know we don't need it. 
We know we don't, we shouldn't have it. We know that it's not pleasing to God. We know that it's bad for us. It feels good, but we know it's bad. And it, you know, it's kind of like when you have a loose tooth and you, and you push on it and it hurts, but it feels good at the same time. Maybe that's me. I don't know. But I just, there's kind of this pain thing where there's a, there's a fine line between it hurts and it feels good, right? Is it just me? Nobody else? Was, okay, yeah, okay, cool. There's some weirdos here. That's awesome. So that's kind of how we are with Jesus. We know the world's bad, and there's a fine line for us. We don't want to hold on too hard because we know it's going to be really bad, but it feels really good. And Paul's saying, hey, so yeah, God's got a hold of you, but man, it's time for you to grab a hold of him. We got to understand that conversion, yes, it's a one-time thing and it's over. God has saved your life. But man, it's a process of us being sanctified, becoming more like Jesus. Number two is this, a desire to grow spiritually. If we really want the Holy Spirit to be active and we want to experience him, then we have to desire that in our life. We have to desire to grow. Hebrews 2 verse 1 says, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. We have to pay attention to what the Spirit of God is doing and saying in our life and that's through worship on Sunday morning, that's through small groups, that's through just normal conversations with people. There's all kinds of different areas in life where the Spirit is speaking to you and what, what we see here is that we must just pay attention to that lest we drift away from it. And it's really easy for us to begin to drift away from God. It's just it's simple, right? Think about if you've ever been out of church for any period of time, man, you made a decision one Sunday to say, I, I'm not going to church. There's just a lot. I'm tired. I'm just not going. And then the next week rolls around and there's a different excuse and it's still difficult because you want to go, but you want to sleep or you want to go do something else. And it's still kind of difficult. It's a little easier than the Sunday before. And then you just get in a routine of missing and you're drifting to where you wanted to miss one week of, of coming and fellowshipping with other people. And then you look up and three months later, you haven't been to church at all, right? It's just a slow drift. And that's the same thing, not just coming to church. It's the same thing with sin in our life. It's the same thing with, with the, the things of this world, right? That, that has everything that it needs to get our attention. And what we do is we make one small decision, another small decision, another small decision. And we look up and we realize, man, we started way over here with God and we're way over here we've just drifted so far away man do you desire to grow spiritually Hebrews 10 says let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful verse 25 says not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another First Peter 2 says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. First Corinthians 3, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants 
in Christ. All of this is saying, hey, there comes a point in your life spiritually where you no longer are babies. You're no longer infants. It's time for you to mature and to grow up into Christ. How do we do that? By the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who allows us to mature spiritually. But we have to desire that growth. And not just you raise your hand on Sunday when the pastor says, hey, who wants to grow spiritually? Who's not going to raise their hand, right? Everybody's going to raise their hand and say, I do. And then we, we leave here and it's like nothing that we do in life, no decision that we make shows that we really want to grow spiritually. If you want to grow spiritually, then you need to do something about it. And what we do about it is we allow the Spirit to work in our life. Number three is this. Not only is it our understanding of conversion, not only is it a desire to grow spiritually, but it's the reality of the Spirit in our lives. It's the reality of the Spirit in our lives. And, and what I mean by this is, it's not just a, a head awareness of the Spirit. It's not just that we understand knowledge-wise that the Spirit lives within us. It's not just that we know that the Spirit is supposed to be doing some stuff, and hopefully He's doing some stuff, and man, I hope so, right? That does, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a heart reality that the Spirit is truly working within you. And you say, well, man, how can I know that? How can I know that the Spirit is really working? Right? Man, it's good. To thank you so much for explaining all what the Bible says about the Spirit, but how do I know? Because that's, what, that's the question I have. How do I know if I'm allowing the Spirit to truly work in my life? And that's a question that I think if we could answer together corporately and that you could answer individually, I really believe that our lives would be completely different. I believe our church would be completely different. I believe this city would be completely different because the Spirit of God would be working in and through us like never before. So how do I know that the Spirit's working in me? And here's, here's the hard part, right? I can't give you a specific answer to that question because I don't know your life. I don't know what's happening in your life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you or tell you how I know that the Spirit's working in my life. And maybe it'll resonate with some of you. Maybe not. But this is how I know that the Spirit's working in my life. It's not that I'm driving down the road and I'm praying and my car fills up with this smoke and it's like a ghost in my car, right? That's not how I know that the Spirit's working. See, a lot of people think that the Spirit's only working if, if you're speaking in tongues or if people are being healed or all of this other stuff. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that stuff. I'm saying that the Spirit manifests Himself in different ways for different people. And there's different contexts where he just shows up in the way that he desires and wills to show up. So for me, what it looks like is that I'm, 
I'm thinking about something. Maybe I'm dreaming about something in the future. And somehow something happens where it's just really clear to me that, man, this is Dustin's dream. This is what Dustin wants. This is what Dustin's thinking. And then I get this other picture in my brain that says, this is what God is telling you. This is what God has for you. This is what God wants. And for me, that's when I know, man, the Spirit is working because the Spirit is helping me distinguish between what I want and what He wants. And for, that's just a, it's a subtle way, man. And for me, it's really subtle that when I know that the Spirit is working in me. I'm usually not running around. I'm usually not speaking in a different language. I'm usually not laying hands on people and healing them. I've tried that. It didn't work. Don't know if I didn't have enough faith or what was going on. But, um, I, yeah, anyway, I was going to make a joke about Ashley, but she's in here not doing that. So, for me, I know that the Spirit's working when it's just really clear to me that there's a difference between what Dustin thinks and what the Spirit thinks. When there's a difference between, man, so this is what my initial reaction would be, and then the Spirit says, yeah, but this is what your spiritual response should be. That's how I know for me personally that the Spirit is working in me. And there's a lot more ways, and we're going to get into that in the next couple weeks. And we're going to close here. This is the fourth factor. We have to understand the awareness or we have to be aware of the Spirit's role. We have to be aware of the Spirit's role in our life. And maybe you're sitting there like, yeah, well, you hadn't got there yet. So this is, this is what I really want you to know more than anything else. The Spirit's role is to execute your old life and to bring you into new life with Jesus. That's his number one role for you. He convicts you, he draws you, and he brings you from death to life. That's his role. But here's what happens a lot of times is, let's just say, let's say you have $100,000 in the bank. You have $100,000 in the bank, and there's this, there's this homeless guy that you want to leave all your money to. And you die, you leave your money to this guy, and he just leaves it in the bank. The bank calls him, and the bank says, hey, so you have $100,000, what do you want to do with it? And he says, just leave it there. And then he calls the bank a couple weeks later, and he says, hey, so do you think you could give me $10? Of that $100,000. Like I really just need that $10. And man the bank is baffled. Because the bank is saying. Hey you have access to $100,000. And all you want is $10 of it. And what happens as, as Christians. The spirit comes to live within us. As soon as we give our life to Jesus. And we have access to all of him. And we ask for $10. And we say, hey, so we have all this power, all of this that the Holy Spirit has given us, and we aren't tapping into the power of the Spirit. And how absurd is that? 
that as Christians, we have access to the Spirit and we choose to just take little bits and pieces. And God is saying, hey, I've given you all of me. I've given you all of me. We're going to just do a little verses here, right? So I want to be clear because there's two different terms that are used a lot in terms of the Spirit. There's baptism in the Spirit and there's being filled with the Spirit. And I, I want to tell you what I believe biblically. Right? I believe that both of these are real. I believe that being baptized in the Spirit, and Scripture backs this up, is that that's the moment of conversion. That when you give your life to Jesus, you are baptized in the Spirit. We see in Acts chapter 1, it says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When we give our life to Jesus, we're baptized in the Spirit, and the Spirit comes and lives within us. What we also see in Ephesians 5 and, and other verses, but it says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So Paul says that we should be filled with the Spirit. So what's the difference between being baptized in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit? Well, here's the difference. And this is, this is what I believe from Scripture. I believe that at, at conversion, at salvation, that you're baptized in the Spirit and the Spirit indwells you, He indwells me, and we have the Spirit living inside of us. But because we're selfish, because the flesh is still crazy and is still strong, what happens is we don't allow the Spirit to work in our life. So I read this this week, and it says this, being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean we get more of the Spirit. Rather, it means the Spirit gets more of us. You're not going to get more of the Spirit in your life. When you're baptized in the Spirit, you get all of Him. The problem is that we're not filled with the Spirit because we're not giving the Spirit more of us. And Paul says, hey, be filled with the Spirit. Not that the Spirit's going to give you more and more of Himself. No, we're going to give the Spirit more and more of us. And that's my challenge for you this morning. Is that you give the Spirit more of you this week. Is that you figure out how you can give the Spirit more of who you are. And when Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, hey... So be perfect, right? Because I'm perfect. What he's saying is, first of all, you can't do this, but I'm sending you a helper that can do this. And, and this is what it looks like, right? If we would truly, if we would truly submit to the Spirit 100% of the time, then we, would, then we would be perfect. The problem is we don't do that. And I'm not telling you that you can, Right? There, I'm not saying that you can be perfect. I'm saying that you have the ability because the Spirit lives inside of you. That's how much of the Spirit we have. We have all of Him. We have the perfect, powerful, holy, which means holy, which means perfect, which means set apart from anything else. We have Him living inside of us. And if we have Him living inside of us, we have no excuse our only excuse is we're not giving him 
our life. See, he's got a hold of you, but do you have a hold of him? My challenge for you this week, my challenge for you is that you give the spirit more and more of you and then watch how your life is different, even if for a week. Let's stand together this morning. Let's recognize that the Spirit is real. Let's recognize that the Spirit is God. Let's recognize that the, the Spirit is personal. He, he's personable, right? He, he wants to be in a relationship with you. And as a Christ follower, He is inside of you. And He's active. He's working. He's doing things. And again, next week, we're going to see some specific things that the Spirit does. But man, the same power, and Scripture teaches this, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives in you, 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 that lives in every believer in this room. And yet, we go through life wondering, how is this going to be handled? How is this going to be taken care of? I'm so worried about this. I'm so anxious about this. When the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead and He lives in you, why don't we as Christ followers get to a place in our life where we say, hey, you know what? I have the power of the Spirit living inside of me. I'm not worried about anything this world throws at me. When we can truly begin to live that way, when we can truly begin to give ourselves more and more to the Spirit of God, man, that's when revival happens. That's when we see a city lost and broken come to know Jesus. And it's not about... It's not about living a happy life. It's not about having a bunch of money. It's about honoring God. And the best way we can honor Him is to submit to His Spirit on a daily basis. So I challenge you this week. Realize that the Spirit is inside of you and give Him more of you. Take hold of Him this week because as a believer, as a child of God, man, He's got a hold Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.